moments that we have together. Lord, I pray that you would please help me to say the things that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that you would help me to have clarity of mind and clarity of thought. Lord, as I attempt to uh, preach your word and as I attempt to uh, go through this uh, passage of scripture, Lord, I pray you'd help us as we study and as we uh, look at your word, I pray that you would help it to... Uh, used in our hearts, Lord, that we might draw closer to you. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 10. And if you remember last week, uh, we went through the first part of the passage, the first 15 verses. Tonight we're going to deal with the uh, latter part of it, uh, starting at verse number 16. But just kind of by way of introduction, you need to understand, and I I don't know that I made this clear last week because it wasn't really needed for the for the sermon last week, but you need to understand the disciples are following Christ at a time in the ministry of Jesus Christ where it is very popular to follow Jesus Christ. This is the popular, you know, Jesus started his ministry with thousands of people flocking to him and he was healing people and he was feeding people. And there was a time when it was very, uh, it, it was a good thing to be with Jesus Christ. And this is the time of their ministry. If, if you remember from last week, let's just look at it real quickly. If you look at verse 9, remember Jesus is instructing the 12. He's getting ready to send the 12 out uh, to do the ministry. And remember he instructs them in verse 9, he says, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. He's saying, when you go out, don't take any money with you. Don't take any gold, don't take any silver, don't take any brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Now look at verse 11, and those kind of show you how popular Jesus is right now. He says, and into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go this. Jesus is instructing the disciples. He's telling them, go into these cities, go preach the gospel. He said, don't take any money with you, don't take an extra pair of shoes with you, don't take another coat with you, just go, and when you get there, let people know that you are with me. Let people know that you are furthering the ministry of Jesus Christ. And somebody is going to say, hey, come home with me, and let me feed you, and let me clothe you, and let me take care of you. And they, see, you've got to understand, right now, Jesus is popular. And it is a good thing to be with Jesus. I mean, people are walking, you know, people are trying to get to Jesus. They can't get to Jesus. They're trying to get to the disciples. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're giving notes to the disciples. You know what I mean? Saying, hey, can you get this to Jesus? And they're slipping them some money with the note. I mean, it's, 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 it is a time to be. If you ever wanted to choose a time to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right now is the time. And to be one of the twelve, I mean, they're walking into cities. They don't know anybody. And people are just taking care of them. People are giving them money. People are feeding them. People are saying, come home with me. Let me take care of you. This is a good time to be serving Jesus Christ. And even later in the, in, 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 the, in the chronology of his ministry, keep your finger there in Matthew 10. Go real quickly with me to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10. If you remember in Matthew 10, he's sending out the 12. Remember he sent out the 12 to go out and preach the gospel. He said, don't go to Samaria. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go to only to the house of Israel. And in Luke chapter 10, this is a different portion of uh, scripture. It's a different time frame. It's later on. In Luke chapter 10, he sent out the, the 70. So now he had 12 soul winners, now he's got 70 soul winners. And he sent out the 70. And remember when the 70 came back to him, Luke chapter 10, just look at one verse, verse 17. It says, and the 70 returned again with joy. Notice, he sent them out, they come back, they're not beat up. 
They're not, you know, discouraged. They came again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So, when the 70 come back, later he sends the 70, and when the 70 come back, even they report a very fruitful and very peaceful ministry. Because you got to understand, at this point, it is good to be with Jesus. But if you go to Matthew chapter 10... In verse number 16, Jesus begins to, to, to shift gears a little bit. And we know that it's different. I'm not going to take the time to prove this to you. You can study this on your own. But if in the first 15 verses, He says, don't go to the Gentiles. In the latter part, He's talking about how they will go to the Gentiles. So we understand that this is a different time. And Jesus kind of uh, changes gears and He, he kind of peers into the future. Into he, he, he's Because He just got done instructing His disciples what they were supposed to do when it's Peaceful, when it's popular, when it's okay. And by the way, today is a very peaceful time in the United States of America for us to follow Jesus Christ. I went out door knocking today and, and no police officer arrested me. Nobody beat me for knocking on doors and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a peaceful time. But Jesus understands that there is coming a day. There was a coming a day for the disciples and you got to understand this. There's, a, there's coming a day for you and I when it will not be as easy to follow Jesus Christ. Notice verse 16. He says, Behold. Now you got to understand this. Right now, and, and I wish you could get yourself in the context. you got to understand. Right now, thousands of people are coming. Right now, He's preaching to, to thousands and, and they're worshiping them. And, 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 they're, and they're trying to get to the disciples and they're saying, Can, can you get me to Jesus? Remember the, 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 the Gentiles come and they say, Hey, can you get us? The, the Grecians come and they say, Can you get us to Jesus? And right now, it's good to serve Christ. But Jesus says in verse 16, He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now you got to understand this, okay? First of all, a sheep in the midst of wolves doesn't sound very nice. I mean, all the wolves eat sheep. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And at that statement, the disciples, you, you know they had to God. wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're going to send us forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, be ye therefore wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. The thing, Jesus begins to explain to them in verse 16, the, the thing that the disciples did not want to hear. Now you understand this, okay? Let's look at verses 14 through 17. These, these are things that actually um, may have happened to the actual disciples during their lifetime. Uh, some of this happened in the book of Acts. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the ministry of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts records the ministry and the life of the followers of Jesus Christ after He ascended up, as they established the church, as they established world missions. And in verse 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong, the wrong passage there. Good night. That's not what I wanted. Look at verse 17, Matthew 10, 17. He says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. You notice the Gentiles being mentioned there? But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now some of this we saw happen in the book of Acts, where they were taken, and they were beaten, and they were brought before kings, and they were brought before magistrates, and Jesus is explaining to them, He's saying, look, right now it's popular, right now it's nice, right now it's comfortable, right now people are slipping, you know, money into your pocket, and, 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 they're, and they're blessing you, and they're saying, I, I, I want to take care of you, and I want to, you know, give you food, and I want 
you know, come, come stay with me tonight. If you're going to stay in town, you know, just stay with us and we'll take care of you. But he says there's coming a time where, those, where men are going to persecute you. And he's talking to his disciples. Now, you got to understand this, okay? He's telling his disciples that there's coming a time when they will be persecuted. But then Jesus, in verse 21, peers even further into the future, and he begins to talk to you and to me. And he begins to explain to us about a time that we know as a tribulation period. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter number 24 is what's known as the Olivet Discourse. It's where Jesus goes through and explains end times prophecy, explains all of that. In Matthew chapter 10, though, he kind of gives us a, a glimpse into what he's going to be teaching us in Matthew 24. And he allows us to see a little bit into that. And I want you to notice, in verse 21... The Bible says, and the brother shall deliver up brother to death. Now you got to understand, in verse 21, these are things that may happen in my lifetime and in your lifetime. He says, and the brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. Skip down to verse uh, 34, just real quickly. Verse 34, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Today, Christians have this idea that Jesus came to bring peace, peace at no cost, we must get along with everybody, let's just have a big ecumenical movement, let's unite all the Baptists and all the, you know, Pentecostals and all the Catholics and all the Lutherans, and let's all get together and just have a big ecumenical movement, let's all get together, let's all hold hands, let's go, you know, let's all go listen to Billy Graham preach about hope, and let's all, you know, sing Kumbaya, and they say, you know, we got to have peace at any cost, but Jesus himself said, he said, I came not to bring peace. I mean, notice what he says, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Notice verse 35. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Just think about this verse. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now you got to understand this. You say, well, Pastor Menace, how do you know that this is talking to us? How do you know that this didn't happen to the disciples? And it may have happened to the disciples. To my knowledge, and I've read and studied the book of Acts, I can't recall a story in the book of Acts where the disciples were betrayed by their own family member. But you better believe, and there's enough evidence to know that today, right now, in public schools, children are being trained to be more loyal to the government than to their own parents. Today, today, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about, you know, a film you watched that, that's based 200 years. I'm saying right now, children are being told, you know, if your parents fake you, call the government. Call, call TPS. You know, did they yell at you? That's abuse. And, you know, I'm not advocating that, obviously, I'm not advocating that the children get beaten, Okay. But a good old-fashioned spanking is exactly what the Bible says that a child needs. And, and, you know, I don't believe that we should have more loyalty to our government. But today, and look, it's what the Nazis did. It's what the Russians did. It's what the communists do. And it's what's being happening in America today. And today, children are being taught. And they're being brainwashed. And look, even, even in our society, you know, they want you to snitch on your neighbor. Because he's growing pot. And I'm not for growing pot, but I'm also not going to call the cops on my neighbor. You understand that? There ought to be lines of loyalty that go further than our government. And, and this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Now we know that this has to do with end times prophecy because we know, and no one would disagree, that Matthew 24 is end times prophecy. And you'll see that some of this stuff matches up with Matthew 24. Now look at verse 22. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. 
Matthew 10, 22 says, And he shall be hated. Notice what he says. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he, notice this phrase, But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now keep your finger there in Matthew 10. And go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter number 24. And look at verse 9. Now, and Jesus in Matthew 10 said, this is, these are the characteristics of end times prophecy. You're going to be hated for my name's sake. For simply being a Christian, people are going to hate you. And he that endures to the end shall be saved. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Matthew 24, look at verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations. Look what it says. For my name's sake. It's the same time frame. There is coming a day. Let me tell you, you struggle with showing up to church on Wednesday night. You struggle with showing up to church on Sunday night. You struggle with reading your Bible. How are you going to do when it's illegal? How are you going to do when simply saying, I am a believer in Jesus Christ could have you killed? That day is coming. He says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Notice verse 13, does this sound familiar? But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Exactly what he said in Matthew 10. So see, that proves that what he's talking about in Matthew 10 is you and I. It's something you and I could go through. And by the way, you know, those that teach that, you know, eternal security, or against eternal security, against one saved, always say, this is one of their favorite verses to go to, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And they'll say, see, you got to endure to the end to be saved. That's not the context of that passage. And it is intellectually dishonest for a preacher to stand up and take Matthew 24, verse 13, or Matthew 10, 22, out of context and apply it to salvation, when the context is that Jesus is saying, someone's going to come to kill you one day. Someone's going to come to put you in prison one day. And it's called the tribulation. But if you can make it to the end of the tribulation, because guess what happens at the end of the tribulation? The rapture. And he says, he that endures to the end, hey, you're going to be saved. He's talking about your flesh will be saved. Okay, so it's not talking about salvation, it's not talking about eternal security, you got to read the Bible in its context, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we read the entire chapter before I start preaching, so you get the context before we start. Amen. So I can't just take a verse out and say, see, you got to do this, because the context will uh, uh, help you understand what it's talking about. The word saved means delivered. People are delivered, you know, they're saved, you know, uh, from, from persecution, from flesh. Of course, the same word is used for salvation. We understand spiritual salvation. We understand that. But that is not what this passage is talking about. Look at, go back to Matthew chapter, keep your finger there in Matthew 24. Go back to Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 23. Matthew chapter 10, verse 23. Look what it says. Matthew 10, 23. But when they persecute you in the city. Now notice what Jesus says, and I want to really... Get this in, in, in your mind, because I've heard a lot of preaching in my lifetime, and I've heard a lot of preachers saying, you know, when persecution comes to America, and when they make it illegal to do this, and when they make it illegal to do that, and they make it illegal to do this, bless God, you better stand up and preach on it and go to prison and die. Now, is that what Jesus said? What did he say? Verse 23. But when they persecute you in the city, flee you into another. Okay, look, it, it's a privilege to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to die for Jesus Christ. But you know what Jesus Christ also taught? If you can avoid it, avoid it. <laughs> Don't get on, you know, Pastor Reddit. What are you going to do when they make it illegal to do X, Y, and Z? Are you going to get up that Saturday morning, you know, your first Sunday morning, and just think, why, why would you do that? Why not just go somewhere where you have freedom? 
Why just, you know, just volunteer to get... Look, if they throw me in a lion's den, praise God. If they chop my head off, praise God. If I can get out of it, praise God. But if I can flee, hey, flee! There's nothing cowardly about that. It's smart. But when they persecute you in the city, flee ye unto another. Is that not what Christ said? For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the city of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Again, a rapture, end times prophecy, time frame. Look at verse... 37. Now, now here's what you understand, okay? There is a, there, there is coming a time when we will endure, maybe not us, but it could totally be in our time frame. But for sure, our children and our grandchildren, there is coming a time when people will be persecuted. Uh, go, go back to Matthew 24, I'm sorry, look at verse 14. I wanted to show you this concept of fleeing again. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea, look what he says, flee into the mountains. Let him which is in the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. I'm, I'm saying this, look, if it's time to fight, it's time to fight, but if you can avoid it, God, Jesus said, go somewhere else. Go preach somewhere else. Go get somebody else. If you say, Brother, Brother, what are you doing? If California gets so bad, then I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> if I can, you know, I'm not. You say, well, that's cowardly. That, look, that's what Jesus did. And we, I think we watch too many movies and we've seen too many things and we think that, you know, we, 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 uh, we institute, you know, bravery for just common sense and, and wisdom. He says, flee. He says, go. If you can avoid it, avoid it. Go. Now, if you go back to Matthew 10, 24... The disciples, keep in mind, right now it's popular. It's the in thing. Jesus is the in thing. Everybody in town is walking around with a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? You know, I mean, it's, it's the time. I mean, people love Him. And He says, look, there's coming a time when persecution will come. There's coming a time where you will feel like you're a sheep in the midst of wolves. And if you look at verse 24, now he, now he, he, he says this, you know, because you gotta, you got to keep in mind, he's, t- he's explaining all this, and then the disciples are just like, what? What are you talking about? I mean, pe- people, are, people are inviting us into their house, people are buying us meals, I'm getting gift cards just for knowing you, Jesus. Just, what are you talking about? And Jesus kind of explains to them, in verse 24, you know, he, says, he, he, he explains to them, this should not surprise you. This should not be a surprise to you. Look at verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I've already told you, they're going to kill me. They call me Beelzebub. If they would persecute me, why does it surprise you that they would persecute you? If they would try to kill me, why does it surprise you that they would try to kill you? Now here's what you need to understand. At this time, and you see, I love studying Jesus because you can just, as you study the scripture, you can see almost where his mind's going. There, there, there is no need for dialogue, you know, because Christ knows the hearts of men. And at this time, the disciples, they're excited. Jesus is like, go into the town, just find a place, just walk in and say, I'm with Jesus. And someone's going to say, you're with Jesus, come with me. I'd like to feed you. I'd like to clothe you. Let me give you money. That is so great. We love Jesus here. And they're all excited. And then he begins to explain 
to him, but listen, things are going to change. And eventually they are going to kill me. And eventually they are going to call me Beelzebub. And there's coming a day called the tribulation period when just being a follower of Jesus Christ will get you thrown in prison and get you killed and get you persecuted. And you may have to flee. And you may have to go. Now you understand, at this time the disciples are probably getting pretty scared. I mean, they're probably thinking, oh, I don't know that I signed up for the right class. I'm not sure that this is what I wanted to do. Now notice what Jesus says in verse 26. He says, fear them not. Now he makes these phrases throughout the next few verses. He says, fear them not. He says, fear not them. He says, fear ye not. Now notice he he says, look, I I know, I know I just, and some of you, see, some of you listening to this sermon right now, some of you are sitting in the chair thinking to yourself, I don't know that I want to go through that. I don't know that I would want to go through the tribulation period. I think I kind of like the pre-trip position, you know, where we get out of here before the persecution comes. The the problem with the pre-trip position is this, it's not in the Bible. The Bible says that it's after the tribulation. And and, and if you're getting scared, and you're getting afraid, and you're thinking, well, I I don't know that I signed up for this, maybe I should just leave quietly now, maybe I should just not come back, because if things are going to get tough, Pastor, if it's really going to happen, if my family's going to turn me in, I don't know that I want to be part of it. And here's the thing, if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, I'm a little scared... Don't feel bad. The disciples were scared too. And Jesus begins to explain to them. Look at verse 26. He says, Fear them not, therefore. For there is nothing. And He begins to explain to them reasons why they should not be afraid. He says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetop. Jesus says, fear not. He says, fear them not. He said, don't be scared. He said, I know what I just got done telling you. It, it made you a little scared. It made you a little afraid. And you don't know. What if I have to go through that? What if I have to go to prison? What if I have to get my head cut off? What if the Antichrist tries to kill me? What if my children go through that? What if my grandchildren? And he says, hey, don't be afraid. Here's why. Because God keeps accurate score. See, he says, look, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that they shall not be known. He says, look, they're going to lie about you. They're going to make up lies. They made up lies about Jesus. Would they not make up lies about you? They falsely accused Christ to have him killed. Would they not do that for you? He says, but, but just remember this. In heaven, God knows exactly what actually happened. And God is the one that will take care of it. Look at verse 28. He gives them another reason to not be afraid. He says, and fear not them. Notice, he says, fear not them. Which kill the body. He said, I just got done telling you they're going to kill you. I just got done telling you they're going to beat you. Some of you are going to get sword. Some of you are going to be beat by, by rods. Some of you are going to get your head cut off. He says, but fear not them which kill the body. Now look, notice Jesus, just the, the great communicator, Jesus Christ. Just getting right down to the perspective. He says, fear them not which kill the body. Notice, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear them, which is fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I know you're scared. I know you're afraid. But here's the, 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 the great thing about this. All they can do is kill you. Say, I know. <laughs> That's what I don't want. But he says, look, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Come on, come on. See, he says, you serve the God that not only controls your body, but controls your soul. He said, all they can do is kill your body. They can kill your body, but they can't touch your soul. He said, don't be afraid of them. He said, fear not them which kill the body, but 
not able to kill us all, but rather fear Him, which is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. Liver 29. And are not, he said, he said, don't be scared because God keeps accurate records. Don't be scared because the worst thing they can do is kill you. Number three, he says, don't be afraid because you are of great value to God. Notice verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? A farthing is, is, is not a lot of money. He said, look, a sparrow is not even worth a farthing. You get two sparrows for a farthing. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, that's a great verse. I love that verse. Because usually we, we, we look at that verse and we say, see, God knows the number of the hairs on my head. And that's true, but that's not what that verse is saying. It's not saying that Jesus knows how many hairs are on your head. I know for some of you it may not be that difficult to figure it out. But he says, look, he doesn't say he knows the number of your hair. He says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. See, here's what you're saying. You know, the, the, the analogy is you, you, got a, you got a book, right? And, and you can go to the end of the book and, and, and you know how many pages are in the book because you can look at the page number and you know the page number is 476. But, but here's the thing. It's not just that he knows the number of the pages. Every page has a number. You understand that? It's not that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Every hair is numbered. Gotcha. So when you're taking a shower, you know, and 16 of your hairs fall on or whatever, you know, he knows number 1, number 3,042, number 112, you know, number 6. He, he, he doesn't just know the number of your hairs. He knows he, every hair in your head is numbered. That's how much... Uh, that's how interested God is in you. Look at verse 31. Or look at verse 31 again. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Verse 31. Fear, notice how he keeps saying this. Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. He, he, here's what he's saying. He's saying, look. God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and dies. And he says, don't you think if God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and dies, don't you think that God is going to know when you are being taken and you're being put to death? If He knows the numbers on your, of the head of your hairs, He said, you are of great value to God. And He's like, and by the way, the worst thing they can do is kill you. They can't hurt your soul. They can't, they can't you know, bother your salvation. You're still going to go to heaven. He said, I know you're scared when I tell you that there's coming a time with persecution. And there's coming a time when things may be illegal. And there's coming a time that you may have to believe. I know that causes you to fear. But he says, fear not. He says, fear not. And you know, it's interesting to me because as you study the Gospels, you'll find that the one thing that Jesus keeps rebuking his disciples for over and over and over again. You know, you think it'd be for church attendance. You think it'd be for Bible reading. You think it'd be for, you know, lack of prayer. But he keeps rebuking them over and over. As you say the Gospels, what is it? He keeps saying, why are you so afraid? Remember, just over and over, he's like, why are you fearful? Why are you afraid? Why are you not believing? He says, fear not. And by the way, that's the most frustrating that Jesus finds with you and I. And here's, here's why. When we are afraid, it stops us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Some of you say, I'd like to go sowing, but I'm just afraid to. Some of you say, I'd like to start tithing, but I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm just afraid to. Some of you say, I, I, I'd like to uh, you know, talk to my friend or my co-worker about, about salvation, but I, I'm just afraid. What are they going to think? What are they gonna, I, I'm afraid. And by the way, fear 
will stop us in our tracks. And Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Now notice in verse 37. It seems like he shifts gears, but he doesn't. Because he begins to talk about love. In verse 37 he says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now let, let me just say this, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But there are some people who are Christians, who are saved, who are, who are good-hearted people, but they love their mom, and they love their dad, and they love their family, and they love their wife more than Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not against you if that's you. I'm, not, I'm all for you. I'm praying for you. But let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. You can only be worthy. See, and, and you, you're only worthy of Christ when He comes first. And you say, well, how do I know if I love my mom, or I love my dad, or I love my family more than Jesus Christ? Here's how you know. When a decision comes between Jesus and your family, when you choose your family, you've chosen, you've already showed Jesus that, hey, they come first. So your family says, well, I know you go to church on Sunday morning, or Sunday morning but this Sunday morning, won't you come with us? And you say, yes, I will. You've already chosen, you've already said, well, they come first. And you say, are you not saved? Of course you're saved, but you're not worthy of them. Look at verse 38. And he that taketh down his cross. He's talking about following. You've got to understand. Being a follower of Jesus Christ and being saved are two different things. You can be saved and not be a follower. And that's okay. You're still going to heaven. But if you want to be a follower, it takes a little more commitment. It takes a little more discipline. Verse 38. And he that taketh down his cross and followeth. That's a word. You see that? And followeth after me. is not worthy of me. Notice what it says. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find. Here's what he's saying. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to learn to love me more than you love your own life. More than you love your mom. More than you love your dad. More than you love your son. More than you love your daughter. More than Because that's the only way this is going to work. You've got to love me more than anybody else. See, what does that have to do with fear? What does that have to do with tribulation? Here's what it has to do with it. Go to 1 John 4.18, and we're almost done. This is the last verse we'll look at, and we're done. 1 John 4.18, towards the end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. You say, what is the connection between fear and love? Here's the connection. 1 John 4, he says, here's the problem. You're scared. You're afraid. You're afraid of selling out for Christ. You're afraid of what people are going to think about you. You're afraid of what your family is going to think about you. You're afraid that if you, if you give yourself completely to this thing, that you're going to lose your life. And he says, you don't understand. He that finds his life shall lose it. He said, you, the people that are chasing their life, they're chasing the dollar. They're trying to, well, pastor, I'd like to get involved in church, but you've got to understand that I've got to put my career first, and I've got to put my family first, and I've got to do this first, and I've got to do that first, and I've got to get all my ducks in a row and get my life situated so that I can serve. And Jesus says, hey, he that findeth his life, you're just going to end up losing it. But he that loseth his life. Now, some people lose their life for dumb reasons. Some people lose their life because of drugs, alcohol, pornography, you know, gambling. You can, you can lose your life for all sorts of things. But he says, he that loses my life, his life for my sake, shall find it. Now notice, are you there in 1 John 4, 18? So what's the connection between... Because he says, you're afraid, you're afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. All he can do is kill you. All he can do is, 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 is you know, God values you, God knows you. That the worst he can do is take your life. And then he says, you've got to love me more than your family. You've got to love me more than, than yourself. You say, what's the connection? 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But here's the thing. The word perfect means complete. But perfect, complete, 
love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. See, the only way that you are going to be able to face the tribulation, and you say, well, maybe we won't live through it. The only way you're going to be able to face the things that you go through in life that cause you to fear, whatever it is, talking to someone about Jesus, giving God His rightful place in your life with your schedule, with your finances, with your job, letting your family know that from now on, Jesus comes first, not you. You say, oh, that causes me to be afraid. But he says, here, here's the thing. If you learn to love me perfectly, he said, there is no fear in love. And he said, if you love me with all your heart, if you love me with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your might, then when the time comes, you won't be afraid to die for my sake if you love me. But here's the thing. If you love your family more than you love me, he said, he's not fighting as much to lose it. Because guess what? They're the ones that are going to be turning you. And see, the problem is we put things before Jesus and then those things cost us our relationship. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, Pastor. I'm afraid, Pastor. I just, there's just one area. Here's the question. What could you accomplish for God if He had no fear of man? I mean, how many people could you get saved? How faithful could you be with your church's attendance, with your offering, with your tithing, with your soul winning? What could you do if you just said, I'm not afraid of what man can do to me because I love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and perfect love casteth out fear. What could you do? What could you accomplish? I'll tell you exactly what you could accomplish. You could go through a tribulation without any fear, knowing that God is in control, because the worst thing they can do is kill your body. And at the end of the day, God kept score in heaven. He knows the number of of hairs on my head. He knows when a sparrow dies, and He knows when I'll die. And He says, fear not. He says, fear not. But you know, the number one reason we don't serve God is because of one word, fear. But if you were to give your life... I'm not talking about salvation. I'm saying if you would give your heart to God and you would say, I'm going to put you first in every area of my life. He says, I promise I'll remove that fear. And that's what he wanted from his disciples the whole time. He kept saying, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why are you so afraid? Why don't you trust me? You know, and they would sit there and and you and I would understand it. They, They said, we're trying. We're trying. But the ship's sinking. We're scared. He said, why are you so afraid? Why don't you trust me? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, I pray that you would please use this study in our hearts, Lord. Here's what I love about Wednesday night Bible study. We're in Matthew chapter 10. Because we were in Matthew chapter 9. And next week we'll be in Matthew chapter 11. And when someone comes to Wednesday night Bible study and they hear from you, we know they've heard from you. And Father, in my own life, I get afraid and I get scared. I start looking at the finances and I start looking at all the sacrifices that come with serving you. And I, even even me, I admit it. I get afraid. And I just keep hearing you say over and over again through your word, fear not, fear not them. What's the worst they can do? Take your house? Take your car? Take your money, take your life. We ought to fear Him who controls both soul and body. Father, I pray You'd help us to remember this thought. If we love You more than anyone else, 
perfect love casteth out fear. Fear not. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.